Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Tell him how much you love him. Amen. Oh, wow. So good to be with you today. You may be seated. Thank you so much. And Pastor Andre, how many knows you have some of the best pastors in the world right here? You know, just talking to him and what God's doing in this church and just the impact. And I've seen some of the impact. I mean, this is my first time being here, but uh, we planted or we launched a Champions Club uh, in the in Mongu with your mission there and for special needs children and seeing what this church has planted and been a part. I've, I've known Paul Marinette now for about four years, and it's just incredible to see what God's doing. And you know, you always know a vibrant church uh, in the parking lot, <laughs> right? So we get here this morning, and there's three young men. The, I never had three young men send me to my parking spot, right? And they're waving their arms like this, you know? And they have as big as smiles on their face. I go, oh, this is a good church, man. <laughs> I mean, this is gonna be good today. I mean, come on, give it up for our worship team. Did they not do an amazing job this morning? Incredible. Wow. Now, I got to tell you this about your pastor. At, at first, I thought he was Hispanic. I'm going to just say that. He, lo he looks like he's from Houston, not from South Africa. But uh, you can fit right in in Houston, man. Yeah. Then, then he starts speaking. I go, oh, he's from South Africa. Okay. I understand now. But what a privilege and honor it is for me to be here today and just to be a part. Don't miss tonight. I want to encourage you. Uh, I did a message this past Sunday called Get Out of Your Tent and Look Up at the Stars. And we're going to illustrate a little bit tonight. So make sure you're here, man. I, I, want, to, I want to see this place packed out tonight. And I believe that if you have a big dream in your life, that God's going to spark something within you tonight. And uh, it's going to really catapult you uh, into your destiny. Amen? Well, hey, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. And uh, how many has ever had something spoken over them before? Now, if it's good, it's great. <laughs> but if it's not so good, that's not great, right? That can really affect you. And I've seen it happen in my own life. Um, I've seen, it really happens to everybody. Uh, where somewhere down the road, either something that was spoken over you catapulted you into your destiny or something that was spoken over you stopped you in your destiny. It doesn't mean you don't continue living, but, but I've seen more generational curses from what was spoken over people than anything else. Because many times, you know, we're, we're so affected by Sometimes it's family, it could be family. Sometimes it's friends. Sometimes it's closest people to us and everything. But really, when it all comes down, who you've got to know that speaks over you and the most important person is what God speaks over you. And I want to, amen. And I want to speak to you a message today on who told you that? Who told you that? There are going to be things spoken over our lives that will either stop us or propel us. And even back when Scripture was written and at the very, one of the very first stories in the Bible in the Garden of Eden, 
Adam and Eve, they were living a confident and secure life with God. They knew they had his blessing and his favor. I mean, it couldn't get any better. The Garden of Eden was incredible. And, but one day, the enemy deceived them into eating the forbidden fruit, and immediately, they were afraid. They literally ran and hid. When God called out to Adam, he said, where are you? And Adam said, we're hiding because we're naked. Now get this. The Bible says Adam and Eve knew no shame until they were deceived by the serpent. Some of us are living with shame that God never put on us. Then God asked, who told you that you were naked? God was saying, I didn't put this shame on you. Who told you that? God knew who it was, it was the, the deceiver. You see, throughout our life, the enemy loves to whip out who told you lies. Maybe you've heard some of these things before. Maybe you heard something yesterday. Maybe a boss said something or, or, or somebody said something flippantly to you before, but maybe you've heard these who told you lies. You'll never be good enough. Nobody wants you. You'll never do anything with your life. Some of us have even heard this deep one. I wish you were never born. Now, a lot of us have heard this one. I wish you were more like your brother or sister. <laughs> right? Or you're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. The enemy loves to, to, to say things like that. You come from the wrong family. You'll never do anything right. You will never accomplish that dream. All through our life, there are going to be times where we're going to be told who told you lies. And I've seen so many people where it's literally when they're told these things, where they were going down a path, where they were going full on and everything, all of a sudden, it just, they start thinking about it and they go, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I am just ordinary. Maybe I'm not as talented as this person or I, I can't do this. But I want you to listen to what God says about you. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? You see, we have to listen to what God says about us, and not just when you come to church on Sunday, every single day, we've got to listen to what God says about us you've ever been to a circus performance or watch one on television, you'd be familiar with the act involving a lion and a trainer. They get into this cage and, and the trainer's inside the cage with the lion. But have you ever wondered why, besides holding a whip, the trainer would arm himself with a stool and point its legs towards the beast? And he'll kind of point, if we get our lion up there, yeah, he'll point his legs towards the beast, and he'll, he'll, he'll constantly slap that whip, and then he'll point his legs towards the beast. Well, the whole idea is to distract the lion. You see, as powerful as this beast is, it can be immobilized by distractions. If this man here is not distracted from time to time, it just might decide what it's capable of and mold the trainer to death. And that always surprised me that you know, getting a, in a cage with a, with a lion, why doesn't that lion get off the stool? 
because it can be immobilized with distractions. You see, the devil is like the trainer. He knows that you have God's power inside you because the lion of Judah is in you. And he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So what the devil tries to do is he tries to take your power and immobilize you with the who told you lies. You'll never be good enough. You'll never accomplish that. You'll never have the money to do that. You'll never be what, what your father was or what your mother was. All these who told you lies. Yeah. You see, the problem with some people is they've chosen to listen to the wrong voice so long they don't know who they really are. Like the lion, they don't know what they're capable of. And they've let the enemy train their mind. They've let people label them. They, their, their mistakes from the past. So many people are still being reminded of the mistakes they made 20 years ago. And it's affecting how they are, are moving into their destiny. And, and, and it, it affects them in so many ways. And they, 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 they're being told constantly what they're not and what they can't do. How many knows what I'm talking about? We all experience this, right? They've allowed circumstances to find them. Mistakes, disappointments. Now, they've lost their passion. Now they've forgotten that dream that they dreamed a long time ago. And you know, I want to encourage you with this because it will keep you from your destiny. Stay away from negative people. They have a problem to every solution. And the, uh, the only one that knows who you really are is your creator. Yeah. And he calls you a masterpiece. Yeah. He said you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. And he wants every day to speak who you are, not who you're not. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to remind you every day. But, but in our human condition, it's tough for us to receive that, right? Yeah. The enemy starts early in the morning. <laughs> he starts when you wake up. And he wants to tell you who you're not before you even get out of bed, right? I'll never forget when my wife and I, you know, we had two children. And I want to just introduce my family to you right now and just show you them up here if we could. This is my beautiful family. And, and uh, uh, yes, amen. <laughs> so that's my son, Corey. And Corey's 32. And he's a children's pastor in Oklahoma. And he's single, uh, ladies, and will be taking applications for a good South African woman uh, for him. He hates when I do that. I do it everywhere I go, but it's funny to me. That's my beautiful daughter, Courtney. And Courtney is uh, 29 years old, and she's a, a movie producer and director, and she lives in Los Angeles. And she actually has a movie coming out called Ordinary Angels with Hillary Swank, and it's coming out in a couple months. So. It, you know, she was a producer on that. I'm not trying to brag. Yes, I am. That's my child. <laughs> we're just parents, right? I mean, we can't help it, right? Uh, but we're, we're proud of her. And then that, that's my son, Connor. And, you know, you're going to hear more about Connor uh, in a little bit. But Connor's 20 years old, and we're so proud of him. And then that's my wife, Samantha. And we've been married 33 years. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> And uh, Pastor Andre, that's by far the longest I've ever went out with a girl. So that's a big deal, right? And uh, so this is my beautiful family. We had two kids. We had a boy and a girl. They were 10, 12 years old. We thought we were done having children. And, and so uh, 
I went as a male to get that operation to be done having children, right? And I went on Thursday, and then my wife came in crying the following Saturday. And she said, you won't believe this, but I'm pregnant. And then I started crying, and it got worse from there, right? And after we got through the shock, you know, of, of we're pregnant again, uh, we were really excited. And uh, so excited, my, my two kids were so excited to have a brother that was coming. And, and Connor was just like our other two kids at about two years of age. He, he would come and we have playmates, you know, he'd come and play with his playmates and he would give us a hug and kiss and show so much emotion. And uh, he would say, I love you, mommy and daddy, and say so many words. And uh, he, was, he was awesome. And, and, uh, but at about uh, two years of age, two and a half years of age, uh, in a matter of two, three weeks' time, everything shifted. Where he would come and play with other playmates, now he would go sit by himself and start off the wall. Where he would give us a hug and a kiss and show so much emotion, uh, now he stopped showing any emotion whatsoever and would look away from us. Where he would say, I love you, Mommy and Daddy, and say so many words, now he stopped speaking altogether. The only way I can explain it, it would be like if your child was in a, in a bad car accident. And one day they're one way, and another day they're another way. And of course, for parents, we didn't know what happened. We, we didn't fully understand what was going on. And, and, and of course, you know, moms are, are maternal, so they're going to try to find every type of therapy, every type of help, and, and, and try to figure that out. And we soon through a process, found out that he was on the middle of the spectrum with autism. He was gonna need a lot of help. And I remember, you know, during that time, just the who told you lies just would begin to, to, to come in. And, and it really came in when Texas Children's Hospital called us and I was driving home from work and, 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 and all of a sudden, my wife tells me the diagnosis and, and, and that's when, you know, whenever you get a diagnosis or something like that, doesn't the enemy just love to come in right there? And he began to speak to me in the car and he said, your, your child will not be like your other children. Your child will be worthless. Your child won't, won't do anything in his life. I remember that time, you know, instead of listening to those words, you know, God reminded me of who my child was. And I hit the gas in my car and I drove up to our house and I... I I, I ran upstairs to my son. I picked up my two-year-old little boy and I lifted him up and I said, you are not a victim, you are a victor. You can do all things through Christ. You are more than a conqueror. See, when the enemy comes in like, the, like a flood, the word of God says that the spirit of God raised up a standard against it. But you've gotta believe it. You've gotta speak it. You've gotta know. I remember at that moment, instead of feeling hopeless, God began to renew hope in my life around my son. Well, when my son stopped talking, he knew he could talk one time, but now he couldn't get the words out. And, and, and so, along with other challenges with autism, he started having these terrible meltdowns from the time he was two years old until the time he was five. And it just seemed to get worse. And, and, and it all came to a climax one time where uh, we were at the store. My wife was at the store, and I was on my way to work. And uh, my wife called me uh, from her car. And I could tell she was distraught. She was upset. And she told me a story 
of how she was just in the store and Carl won candy off the shelves. And so he was grabbing the candy and he was pulling the candy off the shelves. And my wife was trying to put the candy back up there and tell him no. And he didn't understand. And so he had probably one of the worst meltdowns right there in the middle of the store that he had ever had. And of course, in the human condition, you know, people are looking at my wife like, why aren't you disciplining your child better? And, and this, this is what we, we, we do from the human condition mean times. And, and my wife was just trying to make sure he didn't hurt himself. And she literally had to put her arms around him and she literally had to drag him all the way out of the store and into the car. And, and by the time she called me, uh, she was physically and emotionally exhausted. And this has been going on for three years. And I remember her telling me, and it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever heard from my wife. She just said, Craig, I'm not sure if I can do this anymore. And you've got to understand, my, my wife's my hero. She's one of the strongest people you ever meet. So I knew she was saying this off of emotion. But as a husband, as a father, you know, it was my lowest point. Probably my lowest point in my life. You know, and I remember I'm seeing the car, and it was like God was sitting in the seat next to me. And I remember just asking God why. I had this, started to have this intimate conversation with God, the most intimate conversation I've ever had with God. I asked God why. Have you ever asked God why when you're going through stuff? And, and I just said, God, why? Why is he struggling so much? We're trying everything. And God spoke to me so clearly. It was almost audible. And he said, Craig, your child is not a burden. Your child is a gift. I said, God, I know what you mean. We love our son. God, we're doing everything, and, and we're praying. We're believing. We're doing everything, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. And, and God spoke to me again. He said, Craig, your child is not a burden. Your child's a gift. He said, you're looking at everything that's wrong with him. You're not looking at what's right. And I said, I said God, what, what, what do you mean? What, what, what are you saying? And then God said, I'm going to use your son to reach millions of people. And I've got to be honest with you. You know, I come from a church of hope and faith, believe me. And, and I have 28 ministers in my family, so I've got a lot of faith in my family. But when you're at your lowest, you don't feel it, right? You don't feel it that time. And you don't have it at that time to speak those words over yourself. And, and I said, I said, God, I remember picking up a bottle of water. My son can't even ask for a drink of water. How's he going to reach millions of people? I'll never forget what God spoke to me. And he'll usually speak these four words to you whenever you're in the desert. Maybe you're in that place right now. Whenever you're going through a difficult time, he'll usually speak these four words. And he just said, do you trust me? And I didn't have the pastoral answer. I just said, God, you're all we've got, but I trust you. And I found out with God that was enough. Now, for the next three months, I just had this intimate conversation with God. I thought things were going to get better. Here comes the trusting time, right? It gets worse. The meltdowns get worse. You know what I'm talking about. But I remember during that time, just the, the few words that I spoke, I didn't have these elaborate prayers, but all I would say was, I trust you. Or I'd speak the name of Jesus. I would say, Jesus. How many knows there's power in the name of Jesus? And I found out with God that was enough because about three months later, my wife 
starts yelling from upstairs, Craig, Craig, get up here. I knew she was in Connor's room. I run upstairs. She's crying. I said, what is it? I'm thinking something bad has happened. And she said, Craig, she said, I was putting Connor to bed. I was reading him a book, and I was praying. All of a sudden, he began to speak, and he began to say one word after another word, one sentence after another sentence, one paragraph after another paragraph. Now, you got to realize I've not heard my son say more than two words in three years. I said, what do you, what do you mean he began to speak? She said, Craig, he spoke. And I said, what do you say? I'll never forget this, Pastor. She walked over to his bed, and she leaned over his bed, and she said, Connor, say it for Mommy and Daddy. Say it again. My little five-year-old boy looked up, and all of a sudden he began to speak, and he said, this is my Bible. I am what says I am. I have what says I have. I can do what says I can do. Today I'll be taught the word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. He didn't stop. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. That was my son's first words. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap today. God showed up. <laughs> You know, what we didn't realize was that that's the declaration we speak before every message at Lakewood Church. And I was bringing the messages home uh, on DVDs of our pastor. Little do we know that my son was taking those, those DVDs up to his room, and while he played, he would listen to those messages over and over again. It didn't matter if the message changed. That declaration was at the front of every message, and that became his first words he ever spoke. So I go and I'm speaking on Wednesday night, and I don't know about you, but we're criers at Lakewood, right? And, and I'm speaking on Wednesday night, and I speak about the God, the breakthrough. And I show Connor saying his first words on a video. We videotaped him, and, and everybody's just crying. They're so full of joy. Pastor Joel's leaning on Victoria. He's weeping, and he walks up to me after the service. He said, Craig, can I speak about this miracle with Connor? I said, absolutely. And, and so he spoke about that miracle a few weeks later, and through that message, that video went viral around the world, and millions of people heard my son's testimony, and they started sending us emails from around the world of how our son had touched touch their, their life and, and special needs schools and different things like that. And for sure, the prophecy that was said in the car, God brought to pass. But I wonder if that would have happened if I wouldn't have spoke what God said about him. I wonder if that would happen where I would have just received or stay in my sorrow or stay in my victimization. That when I heard that diagnosis, I could have said, oh, maybe you're right. This is my lot in life. This is what I've got to deal with. But instead, what I had inside of me, what God spoke, I said, you're not a victim. You're a victor. You can do great things in life. You're more than a conqueror. What we speak is so important. It's so powerful. And you know, many things from the very beginning when we had our son, unfortunately in our world, how many knows they don't like to speak positive words over you? They don't like to speak life-giving words over you. Matter of fact, some of you probably heard some negative words spoken over you this week. Maybe it was from a friend. Maybe it was from a family member. Maybe it was at work. Maybe it was through social media. 
Social media is great for getting messages out, but it's horrible when it comes to what it tells you who you are and what you can't be and, 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 and the, the images that are put out there, right? And so, so I wonder if that would have happened if, if I would have seen that. And Sam and I, we've had many different words spoken, many positive, and there have been many negative words. Like, your child will never get a job. Your child will never live outside the home. Your child will never have an education. You'll have to take care of your child the rest of your life. I mean, we've heard it all. But you know what? We came to this place where, and I think what God is asking today, who told you that you're not good enough? That you're just average? That you can't accomplish your dreams? That didn't come from God. Those negative thoughts didn't come from our God. Don't let the enemy deceive you today. You are a child of the Most High God. You are a child of the Most High God. And Sam and I had to do that. When we were told what our son Connor couldn't do or couldn't be, God reminded us of who he created him to be. Watch this. You know, when you first get that diagnosis of autism, um, you're not sure what to think. You're not sure what is this going to look like for my child. And, it, and a lot of times it's so overwhelming. You know, just to know that you had a vision for your child and now that vision's probably gonna change. Obviously fear enters in, the unknown enters in, and things like he's never gonna be independent. He'll never possibly speak or communicate. I am as this I am. I have as this I have. I can do as this I can do. You know, he'll never have a job. He'll never be independent. It was just a lot of things that we had to either say, okay, this is the life that we're gonna have, or we could choose to, to believe God and to hold on to hope and know that that there, even though it's different than what we expected, that God can still use that and that um, Connor is still able, you know, and that there's still hope and potential. When the parents first come, I think they've been told many times by lots of different professionals that their child isn't going to be able to do certain things. Uh, and sometimes simple things. They won't be able to dress themselves. They won't be able to take care of their basic needs. Uh, I've had parents tell me that he won't even be able to carry his own lunchbox into the school. Again, we take the approach that, why not? We know he can, everybody can learn something. We just have to teach the way that they learn. I tell the parents to erase all the preconceived notions in their mind and, and, and don't limit these guys. Don't, and I call it the ceiling. Don't create a ceiling that's not there and doesn't need to be there because they never know you come in contact with the right people, the right heart, right dedication, right plan for your child, anything's possible. Connor recently graduated from the, the academic part of, of schooling and he's now in a transitional boarding school where he has roommates, he's living outside of the home, he's, um, he does chores, he works a job outside, he's worked with landscaping, he does um, household chores, makes his, his bed, does his laundry, helps with cooking, helps with cleaning. And then even more recently, he's actually got a job outside of the home that yeah. we're really proud about. Connor, you've got a big announcement. Tell us what it is. I got a new job at Waterburger. You did? Wow! And what are you going to use your money to buy? Cheeseburger and french fries. This is huge. I mean, I, I don't think people know 
what a big deal it is for them to have a job out in public. And, and we're so thankful for a company like Whataburger because the amazing thing with them is it's one thing to get a job, it's another thing for them to work with them through that job. I feel like that if people with disabilities need a job and is willing to go the extra mile to do what you're asking them to do, it should never be to where they get turned around at the door. Everyone needs a chance. Connor's doing one for Whataburger. He's been here, what, about three months now? And he works, he comes to work. You know, if he switches his hours up, he comes to work ready, happy, ready to go. Well, it seems that no matter where we go to Whataburger's at, we always see that they do hire people with disabilities. And that's encouraging to know that they reach out to the people that need jobs. That's one of the reasons we do come to Whataburger because we see that they uh, encourage that. They're getting so much prep work done now that the night crew doesn't have anything to do. <laughs> and so it, it, it's, it's unbelievable to see him living with some independence in his life. And <laughs> we're so thankful. Yeah. Just, it was, I think, a dream that we didn't even know to dream about. It just kind of it fell into place, and it's just been such a huge blessing. And he's so proud also to have his little uniform and to, to have a schedule, and he knows what days he works. He knows what hours he works. And so it's, it's an ownership, a, you know, responsibility that he's really enjoying. It's been a good experience. Yeah, it just reminds you, when Pastor Joel talks about these words he speaks over us every week, he's trying to tell you who you are. And what the enemy will try to do is tell you who you're not, what you can't do, what you can't achieve. Every week when you speak these words over you, when you say, I'm a masterpiece, I can do all things through Christ. I'm beautiful, I'm talented and everything. They're not just words. They're things that if you'll let go down inside of you, it'll help you reach your destiny. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. still blesses me. Connor just finished a year at his job and he got a promotion and a raise just recently. Hey, don't believe the who told you lies. Don't believe those things that were spoken over you years ago. Don't believe those generational cursed words that were spoken over you many times years ago. God wants to break those generational curses. He wants to break those words today that were spoken over you. See, you have to believe what God says about you. There are too many people that are more influenced by what people say they are and what people think instead of what God says they are and what God thinks. And if you don't know who you are, someone will tell you who they think you should be. Many times we accept the love we think we deserve when God wants to give us so much more. Do you know that your words, that you speak over yourself, hold power? What you speak over your life every single day has the ability to be, bring blessing or a curse. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. In other words, what you say about yourself and your situation can bless you or it can curse you. So be careful what you say about your situations because your words can become your reality. That's why every morning when I get up, I say 
First thing, I pop out of bed, I say, it's going to be a great day. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a great day. And the enemy's going to come in, believe me, but I'm beating the enemy before he comes in with those words, right? I'm setting the course of my day. And then I do it with my devotional life. I'm putting God first place every morning. God, show me what to say here. Show me what to do here. Show me how to respond here. See, your devotional life will dictate your emotional life. And how you look at that day, how you do things, putting God first place. Because God every day wants to remind you of who you are whose you are, and what you are capable of. Don't be distracted like the lion and be immobilized by those distractions that the enemy sends your way. I want to tell you someday, I'm going to speak it over you right now. You are a blessing to God. You are blessed and you cannot be cursed. You are a victor and a victim. You are creative. You are a masterpiece. You are more than a God. I want you to receive this today. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I want to show you something that I have. These are our champion shirts. Now what you don't know is this. And Pastor, I'll take one more minute if that's okay. Through Connor's life, we have developed what are called Champions Club Developmental Centers. And they can go in churches, schools, hospitals. They can go in, and they develop kids, teens, and adults to help them become everything God created them to be. And one day, I believe, we're going to launch the first one here. Amen? But these are the shirts we give them. Because our families and families like mine, we're told everything our kid will not do. But we remind them that they're champions. And we put those words, and when they walk into the Champions Club, they start speaking the words, I'm extraordinary. I'm creative. I'm fabulous. I'm dynamic. You, you might say, well, well, Pastor Craig, we don't say that in our culture. That would be kind of, you know, I mean, that'd be kind of bragging uh, on ourselves. Then say it in private. <laughs> say it every day, though. Set it out every day. Remind yourself of who God is is and when you hear those negative comments they'll just bounce off like they that because you already know who you are you know who God's created you to be let me tell you something with Connor's life it's a success story from where we started and what we spoke over him and now he's doing Connor just graduated from high school come on somebody don't believe the who told you lies believe what God says about you would you bow your heads with me real quick Maybe you've had some words spoken over you. Maybe you've had some things sometime in your life, and we all have. Maybe you heard some last week. Maybe this week you might hear something, and, and you say, Pastor Craig, you know, I, there have been times where I've let those things affect me. I've worried about too much. I've, I've listened to what other people have said instead of what God says, and and today, I want to begin to speak what God says about me every single day. I want to begin to launch out into this and, and, and practice it every single day. You say, pray for me, Pastor Craig. I, I, I want to do that. Just lift up your hand right now, all over this room, yeah. Just lift up your hand. Man, I'm with you. <laughs> Let me pray for you real quick. Father, for the ones that have experienced negative words that have been spoken on our life, we break those chains in Jesus' name. We believe, Lord God, who you say about them, Father. That, God, they're beautiful. That, God, they're empowered. That, God, they can do great things in life. So we 
we, we release those words that have been spoken over our life. And Father, we bring a flood of new words, of new, Lord Jesus, words that you say over them. And let it just wash over them right now, God. That God, they'll walk out of this place and they won't believe the who told you lies, but they'll believe what you said about them. In Jesus' name. Now I want to ask one more thing with your heads bowed. Any of you today, you know the greatest thing you can do today to start on believing what God says about you is accepting Jesus as your personal Savior. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus. Oh, He loves you so much. He wants to help you every single day. He wants to encourage you every single day. Maybe you'd say, Pastor Craig, I, I, I want to accept Jesus into my life today. Or maybe you need to rededicate your life. You've kind of struggled, fallen away, and you want to rededicate your life and begin to speak again what God says. I just want you to lift up your hand if that's you today. Anybody in this building? Yes. Anybody else? Yes, yes, yes. All over this building. Praise God. Keep, if you'll do something for me, just lift up your hand one more time. I want our, our team leaders to, to come where you're at right now, and we want to give you something. But here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. You're going to pray a prayer of salvation to ask Jesus into your life or rededicate your life today. And I, I want everybody to say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Give me a new start today. I'm not going to believe the who told you lies anymore. But I'm accepting you into my heart. And I give you my life today. It's a new start. It's a new day. And I will say what you say about me in Jesus' name. Come on, give them a big hand clap of those that lifted their hands. Lift up your hand if you raise your hand. Our team wants to give something to you today. Hey, don't believe the who told you lies. God bless you. God has big plans for your life. Amen.